Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This little shop. Ow! Damn roses! Where, strange as it seems, something extraordinary happens. I'm afraid it isn't feeling very well today. <laughs> no, it's not. What kind of a weird effect is that, Seymour? Little Shop of Horrors. A story about a boy. I've given you sunlight. I've given you rain. Looks like you're not happy. Unless I open a vein. Hey there, and welcome to Rewatchability, part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network. We are a podcast where we rewatch old movies and see how they hold up today through our modern eye. My name is Blaine Waters. With me, as always, is Robert Love And today we're doing a completely normal movie uh, with no music in it. I don't know why Rob is singing. Uh, that's really weird. It's no country for old men. <laughs> no music in the entire movie. Uh, no, today we are going to do dive in to a, a very green movie. Are you, mm-hmm. uh, do you have a green thumb, Rob? Do you have plants at home? I have had a green thumb in the past. <laughs> when you we just... can talk about my horticultural experience if you want. <laughs> okay, I now you meant... that it's legal. <laughs> I thought you meant just rolling weed, like rolling a joint was just the one green thumb you had. It has to come from somewhere. Weed doesn't grow on trees, you know. <laughs> this week, we are doing Little Shop of Horrors. It's going to be great. This is one of my favorite movies. Oh, good. <laughs> Rob, can't wait to shit all over it. Before we get into it, I want to thank our Patreons. Thank you so much for going to patreon.com slash rewatchability and giving us one, three, five dollars. You feed us. You are our fertilizer. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call our Patreon shit. Yeah, we're kind of fertilizer for your ears, actually. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that was a rejected tagline. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for supporting us there. We really appreciate it. And it allows us to do things like give you the podcast early and ad free, mm-hmm. which is pretty great. And then, uh, you know, some Sometimes we do a bonus episode here and there. Yes. Maybe we can fit one in before Christmas. Who knows? <laughs> Don't want to promise anything because <laughs> we have to back that shit up. <laughs> anyway, Rob, when did you first see Little Shop of Horrors? So, Blaine. No. Yeah. No. This is one of those things where I have a blind spot or, excuse me, a dead angle. It is – You've never seen this movie. I did see the original – 
this was based off like uh, I can't remember when it was made. Probably the '60s. Roger yeah. Corman, yeah, black and white creature feature, which is pretty unremarkable, except yeah. for in a small cameo, there is Jack Nicholson, yeah, in his starring role. <laughs> and I remember seeing that for the first time, and I didn't know it was him. Right. Well, he's so young. He's so young, and yeah, it doesn't. You can't really tell it's him until he does his sort of like trademark sneery smile right and then you're like oh yeah yeah give me the plant man no yeah. he well he plays the the dental patient oh so he right he doesn't interact with the plant blaine <laughs> that is a movie that has no music in it. it's not a musical no 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 no, no. You that's don't see right jack nicholson singing or anything yeah but the musical adaptation you know it missed me i do like musicals i especially like Quirky, weird musicals, right. things that are sort of off the beaten track. I don't like, you know, like the off big Broadway. commercial. Yeah. Maybe even off, off Broadway. Mm. Maybe even off, off, on, off, off Broadway. <laughs> it's like an OCD <laughs> compulsive <laughs> Broadway as a turn of off, 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 on, off. <laughs> so you never saw the musical. Did you ever listen to the music at all? No, it completely missed me. I don't wow. know any of the songs. I love Rick Moranis. I was going to say, do you hate John Candy or something? What You know that I don't hate John okay, Candy. Good, good. So I don't know. I have nothing to say. Oh, man. That's that's hard to hear. What about you, Blaine? I, I understand that you love this movie since you were a seedling. <laughs> since I was a little sprout, <laughs> I've loved this movie. I've grown up with it, and it was my— It bloomed with you. It was my uh, sunshine and my <laughs> rain. No, it, it was awesome. I loved it as a kid. I had it on VHS, and I would watch it regularly. I knew the lyrics to all the songs. It was kind of one of the first musicals that I really loved as a, wow. as a kid. And then I got into like Les Mis South later. Pacific. <laughs> of course. I'm going to wash that man right out of my head. <laughs> yeah, all the big hits. Um, <laughs> That's a gross song when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, Did he miss? What's going on there? So I love this musical. I watched it with my mom, of course, because I watched a lot of movies with my mom when I was a kid. It was kind of like what we did during dinner sometimes. Did you guys love movie musicals? Because this is a whole genre. Genre. Yeah, I I mean I think this is one of the better movie musicals. Really, like the better interpretations wow. of the stage play. Cabaret would like to have a talk with you. <laughs> All that jazz is really upset. Yeah, I, I there's a few movies that like really hit it out of the park, but there are some Rent, which like you know <laughs> don't, and some that like haven't just made it to the screen yet, like Wicked. There are some oh. that, like, I think deserve a, okay. a, an adaptation but don't have it yet. And I don't know. There are some good things about Les Mis, but really, yeah, stage play was good. Anyway, do you like musicals overall? Do you like – like, do you – have you gone to musicals? Do you go to musicals? I don't do it compulsively. Right. Okay. <laughs> I would say there's a few musicals every decade that yeah. interest me. And, you know, I – Coming from a theater background, I appreciate what musicals are trying to do. Now it's sort of become like this huge commercial thing where, yeah. I mean, it's mostly used for cashing in on a recording artist's back catalog. Or oh, man, the jukebox musical is, yeah, I don't quite like it. Or you can adapt a Disney movie into a musical and then adapt that musical into a movie. <laughs> There are all sorts of, you know. Yeah, there's ways to cash it. Sure. I would say that musical theater and the musical uh, film has sort of maybe lost its way a little bit. 
Yeah, and I think you pointed out like the jukebox musical. I think is a problem. It's now. a problem. There's this Bob Dylan one right now. I'm like, who yeah, wants to see a Bob Dylan musical. It just like came to Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the. It's just one person on stage, kind of mumbling through the songs. Yeah, I, I just, think it's gonna be really great. I want to hear somebody who's trained at Juilliard, right. you know, belting out subterranean homesick blues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like musicals are best when they aren't songs. Like they aren't songs that were recorded for the radio. That's a different art form. I think songs for musicals really have a, like are almost like a marathon for an actor. Like they're right. doing a lot of things. They're telling a little bit of story, like mm-hmm. just a hint of story and forwarding the plot just a little bit. But at the same time, we get like the inner world of a character. Yeah, what they're feeling, what they're thinking. Yeah, and a lot of jukebox musicals take kind of the, the songs that are stories in a person's catalog and try to work them into the musical. Oh, my God. But it's like, let the story be the book and let the music be the the musical. Anyway. Can we just take a moment to curse one abomination across the universe? <laughs> oh, I hate God. you, Julie Taymor. No, but her direction's cool. Uh, anyway. Okay. Yeah. No, across the universe. Yeah, that was... That was not great. Did you see her Titus Andronicus, like the mu- the movie? I didn't, but I hear it's really good. It is actually really good. So I, I do the first respect thing I saw her. So. I respect her and her use yeah. of puppets and all that stuff. Yeah, but I, I couldn't wait for her Spider-Man musical. I, I can't wait till they make a movie of the Spider-Man musical. Because <laughs> that's the only adaptation left to do with Spider-Man. That's the only way you can go now. Oh, like, no. <laughs> anyway, so I, I love this movie. I still love this movie even after rewatching it. Although I had a hugely different experience this time watching oh. it. I was blindsided. Oh, my God. Yes, by Sandra Bullock. She came <laughs> into my house, tried to adopt me. It was awful. So we'll get into that later. But uh, let's run down the plot for people like you, Rob, who have not uh, seen the light and seen this movie. Right. Okay. It begins with a song. Yeah, it's musical, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought that was important to note. I mean, this is a story about... It's a pretty talky song. They're all pretty talky songs. They explain a lot. This is a story about a little shop. Mm -hmm. In that shop, they sell horrors. Sorry, what? Is this a brothel? (laughs) What are you saying? Sorry, Sorry, I have a a speech impediment. (laughs) Horrors. (laughs) (laughs) So they sell horrors. No, they sell plants. It's a little plant shop. Mm -hmm. It is worked at by this orphan, Mm -hmm. this down-on-his-luck dude Mm -hmm. named Seymour, who is played by Rick Moranis. And, you know, he just doesn't have any luck. This woman that he works on, he has a huge crush on. Works with, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Really doing a lot of work on her, you know, trying to make her, uh, trying to really change her uh, since she's all that, the musical. But it's not going very well for him. And this this flower shop, it's not, it's basically going out of business. In fact, the owner, Mr. Mishkin, tells them not even to bother coming in the next day because they haven't had any customers. Nobody's buying any plants. They're going to go out of business. It's bad news. All their flowers are dead. I mean, I think that's the first thing well, that some you Some people do like dead flowers. <laughs> <laughs> but Seymour kind of like has his idea because he – this is kind of some backstory that we were given in a song is that he found a plant. Yes. Well, it's actually 
Audrey's idea. She、mm-hmm. mentions that Seymour has all these crazy plants in the back,、right. and we've already seen that there has been a total eclipse of the sun、mm-hmm. that has happened prior to the events of this film. Yeah. So Seymour brings out this little plant. And you know, it's just a little guy, just you know, a little thing. You know,、mm-hmm. I don't know the names of plants. Do you? Well, I, Anthium, peace lily. I have a peace lily at home. Oh, no! Has ever tried to kill someone? <laughs> no, it's peaceful. Do you feed it blood? <laughs>、um, but I never really understood before. And watching this time, I was like, yeah, Seymour has all these weird and unusual plants. He's misfit plants because he's kind of a misfit himself. He's this kind of found. Object and he's kind of created. He's from an orphanage and he's trying to create his kind of own orphanage of, of plants,、uh, which is kind of sweet. That's really insightful. Yeah, except he gets a bad seed. <laughs> he gets Nick Cave the plant, <laughs> which would be fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I bet Nick Cave has a plant species named after him. Oh, wait until they make the musical out of Nick Cave songs, <laughs> the jukebox musical, <laughs> murder ballads, the musical. <laughs> Twenty-three <laughs> bloody executions in song, <laughs> but yeah, Seymour gets the plant from a, a stereotype of a, of a vendor、um, in this movie. Yeah,、uh, the old Chinese man. I, I wonder if they're actually trying to st- subvert that kind of half unsuccessfully because、right. when we see him passing the the Chinese guy's shop, we're like, oh. Right, mysterious Asian man sells、right. him this plant from.、Right. This is Gremlins. This is yeah, Hellraiser. Hellraiser. Yeah. <laughs> But instead, he talks about how he saw the total eclipse of the sun, and then he turned back, and a plant that wasn't there is there. Yes, which is incredible because I think the horror of the plant really stopped another horror that was going to happen. <laughs> That's right, and that was Seymour was about to like join this fortet of singers on the road, <laughs> and I I don't Rick Moranis I think is he's amazing as Seymour. He's so good as his character. He plays it to the T. But singing isn't his like str- strong suit. I feel, wow, Blaine, I. I don't know. I think、yeah? I disagree. I、okay. thought it was fine. I mean, it's not. He's not Pavarotti. <laughs> no, he's not Pavarotti. <laughs> But this is a character role, so、yeah. it's a little bit speak singy. You can sort of true, like true, talk、yeah. sing some of it. And, yeah, and, and he of, definitely makes his way through it on that. Yeah, I don't、yeah. think he does so bad. But okay, maybe okay, fair I don't enough. Know. Yeah, you're you're the fan. <laughs> Apparently, Just, yeah, shooting on my own movie. <laughs>、uh, yeah, so he, but they figured this plant is going to. They put it in the window, and it's going to attract a lot of people who buy a lot of other flowers. In fact, as soon as they put it in the window, this guy pops in and he says very enthusiastically,、yeah. "I saw the plant." Which、oh. is a, He's a welcome guest to the, <laughs> the movie. A welcome Christopher guest, exactly. <laughs> a little cameo, Christopher guest before all his like、uh, you know turn it up to eleven movies come out, isn't it? I would think Spinal Tap came out a lot. Oh yeah, before this. Oh fuck yeah! Of course it did. You, you fucking moron! Oh my god! If you can see to it to to delete this, <laughs> no, keep it in, keep it in, warts and all. Yeah, but so. They're going to put this plant in the window and attract a whole bunch of business, and it works. People start coming in to buy flowers, but Seymour discovers that he has to. 
feed the plant. I mean, of course he has to feed the plant, mm-hmm. but he thought, you know, some water, yeah. some sunshine, that's all you usually need. <laughs> but the plant really wants blood. And it wants Seymour's blood. It wants any blood that it can get. Yeah. Well, he pricks his finger on a rose Mm -hmm. while singing. And then the plant sort of perks to life. Mm -hmm. And it's very interested in his blood. So he he lets it drink it. And it starts to grow. I've given you sunlight. I've given you rain. Looks like you're not happy. Unless I open a vein. I'll give you a few drops if that'll appease. Isn't it weird that both this movie and Interview with the Vampire, which we talked about a while ago, are produced by David Geffen, and they both involve drinking blood? I think David Geffen <laughs> is into blood play. I think that's uh, libelous. Yes. True? Absolutely not. But uh, could I'm just saying love it. producing movies, Blaine. <laughs> hey, it takes a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to produce movies. Mostly blood. <laughs> For David Geffen movies, yes. So uh, Seymour brings the plant up. It kind of rejuvenates the the shop. Uh, but there is some problems still in Seymour's life. Yeah. Mainly because the woman he's pining for has way bigger problems in her life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Audrey, uh, who is, of course, the namesake of the plant, Audrey, yes. too. Yes. She is in a abusive relationship. Yeah. And Audrey, we should say, is played by Alan Green. Yeah. And she's... So good. She's amazing. And she originated the role on Broadway, right? Yeah, she did. And then she was in like um, a bunch of stuff after this. She was also in Pushing Daisies, if you've ever seen that. Oh. She's one of the mer- Darling Mermaid Darlings. Oh. Amazing. She's so good. Yeah. But yeah, she comes in to work with a black eye and you yeah. know, everyone is concerned. The store owner, Seymour, basically tell her to, to drop this guy. Yeah. But she doesn't have anybody else and she's had a, a tough life and – you know, she just can't do it even though he treats her poorly. Yeah, and treating her poorly is kind of an understatement because he is abusive to her and like wow, puts Blaine, her down. Just like, you know, call me out. I, I was trying to put it nicely. <laughs> yes, it's abuse, Blaine. Yeah, and her the guy's name is Oren, you know, so I'm sure he's he's had a hard life himself. Uh, <laughs> he's taking it out of the people, which is not good. He's also a masochist. He enjoys inflicting pain yeah. on people, which is why he became a dentist. Yeah, and that's he has right. His, his whole song, uh, and he's played by Steve Martin, and he does it so well. But the whole song, it's like Dexter Light, where he's like, I started killing like cats and bashing their heads, and my mom was like, become a dentist. Like, take it out <laughs> of people. Focus yeah. your rage. Yeah, it's a pretty great performance Steve Martin gives. And it's, he's doing like a very like Elvis-ish sort of thing with yeah. it. It's very like over the top in a way that only really Steve Martin can get away with being. Yeah, yeah. And he has completely dyed his hair black, which is also like out of character for I, him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's disarming. I know. It's like, who is this on screen? <laughs> who is this young man? <laughs> Why, that's Steve Martin. No. I couldn't even see the banjo. <laughs> Why isn't there a banjo solo in his song? Come on. It would have been great. You know, he was like, banjo. Frank, come on. I, I brought 
my uh, claw hammer banjo thingy. <laughs> <laughs> his scenes took, um, I'm going to do some more behind the scenes later, but as a taste, his scenes took about six weeks to film. Yeah. Which is nuts because that's a lot of time for the amount of screen time he had. But it's a musical. I mean, there's so much like choreography yeah. and all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there was a lot of banjo stuff. They were like, Steve, <laughs> we don't want the banjo on this. Come on. Man. He... he also tried to auction off a group of seven painting <laughs> in the middle of a scene. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's he, funny. He's he's funny, uh, like meta funny in his entire life. He's funny. So he is kind of, you know, beating um, Audrey and Rick Moranis has no recourse really no. to to do he's a meek character himself yes. except when Audrey too starts to grow too big and starts speaking mm. to Seymour feed he, me it's so good he gets an idea i mean the plant basically steers him in the direction he says that you know yeah. he might as well be plant food this guy, and so he goes over with the plan to kill yeah. this dentist. He brings a gun. There is a fabulous scene that we should mention with Bill Murray sort of doing an homage, I would say, to the Jack Nicholson. Yeah, for sure. Well, he's improvising all his lines. He's just chewing up the scenery. He's being as big as Jack Nicholson is in everything. Yeah. Next! It's me! Arthur Denton, I'm next! Next! Hmm. Does, uh, that have an appointment? Ask it. I'm off duty. I've been saving all month for this. I think I need a root canal. I'm sure I need a long, slow root canal. Let's go. Higher history of dental problems. Shut up! Yes, doctor. So Rick Moranis is going to shoot the dentist, but the dentist, you know, is so, like, you know, off the wall and crazy. He's like huffing nitrous oxide. Yeah, like he has his Frank own machine. from Blue Velvet. <laughs> yeah, or Walter White in that was in Steinfeld. He had that little scene where he huffed his own gas. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So he has this whole machine that he's created. That's like this weird contraption with like these balloons that deflate and yeah. inflate on his face. Yeah, uh, and he kind of dies. Uh, he takes the uh, he, he yeah he takes too much of it. Before Rick Moranis can even shoot him, he breaks off like the thing. Yeah, the toggle. And then he he dies. Yeah. He dies a painless and hilarious death. Yeah. Just like the one he deserves. <laughs> this is kind of like, oh, we feel a little bit for Seymour because he doesn't actually kill someone. I think it's kind of a good – Yeah, it's like a, a gray ride. area. It's like, oh, yeah. it's convenient that yeah. – his rival happened to die, yeah. and he happened to bring a gun to this dentist appointment. This is also much like Walter White in Breaking Bad, <laughs> watching a certain person die. No Breaking spoilers. Bad is entirely based off Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> um, the horror is math. Oh, God. It's a real-world horror. So he feeds that guy the plant yeah. and then tells Audrey about it he, he kind of like audrey is like the guy's missing and he's like well what if the guy was killed and she's like it would be great because i'd be rid of him and that's the most horrible thing she could say yeah and uh they start vibing on each other a little bit that's the most like 2000s way of talking about this movie <laughs> there is a lot of vibing some heavy vibing <laughs> 
some vibrato. Uh, some, no, there isn't. Yeah, there's much. Well, I mean, they they have a they have a nice song. They do the suddenly Seymour song at this point. That's one of my favorite songs in this whole musical. I think that's the one that people like play mm-hmm. outside of this musical. Yeah, for right? sure. Yeah, and it's a great duet. It's a, it's a perfect duet. So I think it's done a lot in like karaoke settings and stuff, <laughs> uh, by music uh, theater nerds. Have you done it? I no, but I pl- I can play it on guitar. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. What plane? Yeah. Where is your guitar? It's with Steve Martin's banjo. <laughs> so, <laughs> noticeably absent. Yeah. Yeah. But while he's cutting up the dentist, his boss, Mishkin, sees him. Yeah. And he is going to turn him into the police. But then he gets this great idea that maybe he'll let him go, but he gets to keep the plant. Yeah, it's all this uh, slight, like, twist of writing things to, like, because he's, like, perfectly an innocent person up to that point. He's a good guy. He's really worried about Audrey One. Exactly. He's And he's, like, took uh, Seymour out of the orphanage and all this stuff. Like, yeah. sure, he works him to the bone, but, like, he's a pretty good guy. And then in order for us to feel like he deserves to die, he needs to, like, bribe Seymour and try to, like, extort him. Yeah. Um, and so Seymour kind of backs him up into the plant and he gets eaten by Audrey, too. Yeah. Bye-bye, Mishkin. Bye-bye, Mishkin. Yeah. Yeah. So that is more blood on Rick Moranis' hands. Well, it's more blood in Audrey, too. Yeah. But it is turning out well for him because he's getting locally famous. <laughs> he goes on the radio with John Candy. Oh, yeah. John Candy just owns that scene, like all the noisemakers and stuff. He's just completely like Robin Williams it up. <laughs> it's so high energy. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And he, yeah, he becomes kind of locally famous and there's even people wanting to like take the plant kind of nationwide a little bit later in this movie. Yeah. And there is a point where Audrey and Seymour are going to run away and then the plant talks Audrey into coming over. Yes. And almost kills her. Well, <laughs> it but, does kill her, doesn't it? Well, so this is where the movie differs. So there's an alternate ending. Wait, what? What? So there's a theatrical release, which I'm used to. I, we're all used to theatrical releases. We've seen plenty of them. <laughs> but did you watch the one where the plant wins in the end or the plant does not win in the end? Well, the one that I watched, which I assume is the original one. Yeah. The plant takes over the world. Oh, okay. And becomes the ruler of mankind. And that is like the reality that we live in. Right. You know, it's With like a the Russian ru- plant in the White House. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. That is the kind of original Frank Oz directed ending and that's the director's cut. So that's not the theatrical wide release. Oh. And that was only rediscovered. In 2012, which is a bit of behind the scenes that we're cutting into. But the original one that I watched, the theatrical release that I love from when I was a kid, is that he takes Audrey out of the plant mouth. They have a chance to run away. And then Seymour's like, no, I got to kill this plant. And so you have the whole scene with Seymour trying to kill the plant. The gun doesn't work. And then he electrocutes the plant. The plant blows up. And Seymour and Audrey have a happily ever after. Oh. Um, Which is very nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's very watered down. (laughs) 
Way and, to wussify it, censors. But I, I, the one that you and I saw was so shocking to me. I'd never seen it before, and it. It just felt wrong, Rob. Yeah? It felt so wrong. Did it fill you with horror? It did. How does the world work like this? Ah! <laughs> it's like everyone's dead. Like, what are you... Oh. It's like a Shakespearean play. And Seymour's going to commit suicide. It's just awful. It's okay. just an awfulness. The alternate director's cut ending, which I think is probably the one that most people are going to see now if you... Yeah. If you see it. Yep. What happens in that one is, yes, Audrey 1 gets partially eaten by Audrey 2, and then Seymour pulls her out of the plant's mouth. But she knows that she's dying, so she tells Seymour to give her to the plant. I don't like it. And so he lays her body in the plant's mouth. It's horrible. And it slowly devours her. Oh, it's so wrong. I've done terrible things, Audrey, but not to you. Ever to you. But I want you to see more. What? When I die, would you be very shortly? Give me to the plant so that you live and bring you all the wonderful things you deserve. And then Seymour goes up to the roof to commit suicide. Which is, no. But up at the roof, he sees this guy who tells him all about his plan to mass manufacture the Audrey 2 plants. He has a little cutting. And knowing that he can't just let the plant win, Seymour goes back down and prepares to kill the plant. But it devours him, spits out his glasses... (laughs) And then there's like a 20-minute musical song about the plant taking over the world. Well, and there's a huge, huge like takeover scene, action sequence at the end. Yeah, where like the plant is like, you know, it's Godzilling through buildings. There's all these references to War of the World. It's at the Statue of Liberty. And that's like the last shot of that version of the film is the plant mounting – I mean, so on top of the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> and it's one. Yeah. It has taken over the world, and the Pips are the only survivors. Uh, the, the chorus girls are the only survivors in this yeah. world. But you didn't like that. I hate it. I hate it so much. Wow. Because it's just not – It's I've watched this movie like maybe 50 times in my life, and it's not the ending that I was used to, and it's the first time I've seen it. And it was just hard to see. It was hard to watch. I wanted my Seymour and Audrey to survive. I wish I could have seen the look on your face when the movie started playing You're wrong. just like pain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Did I make up a happy ending in my head? Have I made up happy endings to all sorts of movies like Deer Hunter, like Million Dollar Baby? <laughs> Like Bambi and her mom <laughs> surviving. The, yeah, just like cut to me in like a straitjacket, <laughs> drooling. <laughs> not rewatchable. Not rewatchable. Not rewatchable. <laughs> anyway, well, we're going to talk more about the behind the scenes of this movie. And I have some trivia for you. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, just after, you know, we sell you some stuff. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Will you go to prom with me? (laughs) (laughs) We have something very scary and horrifying planned, don't we? Oh my god, we do. We are watching one of the terrifying movies out there. One of the most horrifying movies ever. Maybe by the king of horror. The Stephen King of horror. Uh... (laughs) We're going to talk about Carrie. Welcome back to Rewatchability. We have Little Shop of Horrors, and it is horrifying in more than one way for me. (laughs) Um, The ending hurt, but Rob, these are some trivia questions. Okay, I'm ready. Question numero uno. What is one of two connections to the Bond film franchise in this movie? James Bond? Bond, James Bond. Okay, so I know that Rick Moranis was James Bond. Yeah, I mean, he was up for the role for sure. (laughs) It was him or Daniel Craig. (laughs) They chose the less sexy option. Well, Rick Moranis was busy with his, his music, so. <laughs> so I know that they filmed this in the Pinewood Studios in England where they filmed 007. And there's like a 007 Albert Broccoli soundstage. It, that is very true. The uh, Suddenly Seymour was filmed on the 007 soundstage. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, they got one. That's great. That's yeah. great. Can you guess, guess the other one? Who? It's pretty obscure. Okay. Uh, Involves a big character that was in a Bond film. That was a big character that was in a – no, I can't. Um, Vincent Wong, who plays the Chinese oh, plant man, right. uh, uh, was in four different Bond movies. Whoa! And two Batman films. Nice. Yeah. He that was... guy has been in more Bond films than fucking Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Um, Timothy Dalton, maybe? Yeah. He only did one. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Roger Lesenby? <laughs> <laughs> so there are four Canadian actors in this movie. Oh, my God. Who are three? What about th- it? Who are three of them? Okay. Yeah. Well, one of them is for sure John Candy. Yeah, you got your candy. Rick Moranis? You got Ricky. And then two other small, small side characters. Vincent Wong? <laughs> Not Vincent Wong. <laughs> no. Ooh, okay. Um, they're, they're pretty bit parts. You're pretty bit parts. Oh, thanks for calling me pretty. <laughs> I, I can't think of anybody else. Uh, Stanley Jones, who was the narrator okay. of this movie, was Canadian. Sounds uh, Canadian. That explains the A's <laughs> right. in the narration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking the, about a plant, eh? <laughs> you're a bunch of hosers <laughs> with the plants and stuff. You're going to smoke a dart with your plant? So the other person was uh, Carrie Shale, who was the Life magazine assistant. That's, nice. that's a deep cut. That's that a is a cut. pretty deep cut. Yeah. Okay. So, I, mean, I should have recognized her. <laughs> <laughs> She's wearing that toque the entire time. She's our prime minister's wife. She was uh, deacon out people. <laughs> um, so the last question for you, Rob, was what song was not part of the off-Broadway show and was written for the movie itself. 
Oh. I can't remember the title, but it's the the mean green one at the end. The mean green mother from outer space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. It is. It was nominated for an Oscar. Whoa. But it lost to Take My Breath Away from Top Gun. Well, that's pretty fair. It's a great no. song. No, it's not Take fair. Take my breath away. <laughs> I love how halfway through saying that your breath was taken away <laughs> when you tried to go falsetto. Because I thought about Goose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no. Um, so, the, um, Goose dies. Goose dies. Did you hear about in the new Top Gun movie? They, uh, for the promo, they had to change a bunch of Tom Cruise's badges to not offend China. I, I'm so... And I don't know whether, like... China has a big stake in the company that we are on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see when the lawyers get involved. Fuck it, like, yeah, I, I find that stuff a little much. And then, like, Taiwan is like, I'm not. We're not putting this movie in our theaters because it's abominable. Yeah, because it doesn't recognize our like our sovereignty. Yeah, and now LeBron James is a bad guy, <laughs> <laughs> and that's gonna fuck up Space Jam too. <laughs> Well, Lebr- it's like suddenly the monsters win, and they're like, "This is for Hong Kong." <laughs> no, the 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 worst part about LeBron James, I mean, beyond him not siding with people that are fighting for their liberty, is the fact that he was like, you know, people have it hard. He said in a quote, and I was like, "Yeah, people do have it hard." He's like, "The the owners, the GMs, the basketball players, we're in a tough spot. They're trying to install a second pool." <laughs> Yeah, we could just be like taken from our pool into that pool no matter what. Doesn't matter what. Believe me, if I could give this pool to Hong Kong, I would. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, oh god. Anyway, yeah. the 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 level of influence that China has in uh the art that people are creating is a little worrisome because art is supposed to be free expression. Anyway, We'll talk about that uh, when we do uh, any other movie. (laughs) (laughs) Any other movie. Oh, God. It's too bad that they didn't intervene and, you know, take away all the bad stereotypes in American movies. (laughs) If that was what mainland China was concerned about, they're like, hey, uh, maybe we can stop having mysterious Asian people (laughs) selling magical trinkets. Can we not do that Kurt Russell movie at our film festivals, please? That'd be great. I know there's other there's other fights to be had. China <laughs> other fights, other fights. Okay. Anyway, the uh, the reason the ending was changed was because, like me, audiences <laughs> hated it. Oh. So uh, apparently, you need fifty five percent of a test audience to like your movie in order for it to get put out. That explains a lot. Warner Brothers Media, yeah. That means 45% of people can think it's shit. <laughs> yeah, that's just like – that's, but that's better than most electoral systems. So, you know, <laughs> instead of like 30% getting the person they want in the, in the power position. This political podcast <laughs> this week. Anyway, the the percent that liked the ending of this movie was 13. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then even lower when they did the second test screening because Frank Oz was like, it has to be higher than that. And it was even lower. <laughs> so Frank Oz kind of realizes that when you kill your characters on screen, 
they don't come out for a bow afterwards, and you don't kind of get that、uh, that last final goodbye or release that you need for your characters from the audience.、Mm-hmm. So he. Kind of, he didn't want to change it, but he saw that he needed to change it for it to be released. So he's like, "I'm gonna, of course, I'll refilm this." Right. Although they spent a whopping twenty percent of their budget on the final scene. Whoa! Building all those models, and now in the in the theatrical release, the only time you can see the models is when Steve Martin is on his motorcycle driving through town. Right. That's a, a small camera going through all the models to like,、uh, you know. Be New York and a small Steve Martin. It's a tiny <laughs> Steve Martin. <laughs> Let's get small. <laughs>、um, so, well, it was a, wasn't it, it was quite a saga for this new ending to sort of come together, wasn't it? Because I read a whole bunch of stuff about like they took apart the original ending and it didn't exist except for on some. Work print tapes that were distributed to certain crew members, and it was in black and white. But then at some point they released a DVD with the black and white and undubbed version of the original ending. Well, yeah, that's when David Geffen was like, "What the hell? Like that looks awful." Give me blood. And he was like, "I have a VHS copy of the whole ending if you want it." They're like, "What? Why aren't we talking?"、Um, so they released it all on the Blu-ray. I have the original album of Chinese Democracy if you want it. That guy <laughs> could be solving the world's problems right now, but isn't. So yeah,、um, there was other things with the ending that like the, one of the pips、uh, couldn't could no longer be involved, so they had、right. to shoot the chorus from the waist down.、Um, yeah, for the garden scene, we should say that like the the theatrical release ending, if you haven't seen it, does still have that kind of like maybe it isn't all good. Like they do get their picket fence and there's somewhere that's green, but the、uh, one of their plants is a little Audrey too. Uh-oh. So it's like dun dun dun, and then yeah,、uh, Jim Belushi comes in to film the role of the person who's gonna like、uh, take the plant worldwide. Jim Belushi, yeah. yeah. And then they were like, "Is there a way we can cut Jim Belushi out of this movie?" <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring back the original ending. the The new ending works better, but it has Jim Belushi in it. The other thing about this movie is that there was there was an alternate way it could have gone. The first attached crew and cast of this movie was executive producer Steven Spielberg. Whoa, big guns! Director Martin Scorsese. Boom! That guy hates comic book movies, <laughs> but he'll do adaptations. Yeah, apparently. Has he ever done a musical? I guess New York, New York's a musical.、Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never seen that.、So. <laughs> the Departed, the musical. <laughs> 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 it was originally a musical. <laughs> Leo cannot sing.、Yeah. He wanted to do it in 3D. He wanted to bring back 3D with this movie. Wow. Well, he's not James Cameron. Come on. Right, but it would have been like the old 3D, where like one of your lenses is red and the other lens is blue. And then, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like classic 3D. Yeah, exactly.、Okay. You get it, get it in a cereal box kind of thing. But what happened was the 1960s writer named Charles B. Griffith.、Hmm. He、uh, wrote the original movie for Roger Corman, and he tied up this movie in, in a total legal battle so that、uh, it couldn't be done with those people. And when it was when the dust finally settled, Frank Oz was involved. So, huh? Well, I mean, he has more experience with puppets than、yeah. Martin Scorsese. 
Yeah, and he learned a lot on this film, too. I would have liked to see Audrey 2 played by Robert De Niro. <laughs> feed me. You looking at hey, me? You, you looking feeding at me? <laughs> you feeding at me. <laughs> the studio really wanted Cindy Lauper as Audrey. Okay. And then she Plants turned... just want to have food? <laughs> all right, all right. That's better than you feeding me. That You feeding at me. And then the... Plant uh, bop? <laughs> and okay. then they wanted Barbara Streisand. Was Cindy Lauper turned it down? Oh. Yeah, who doesn't want to see Barbara Streisand get eaten by a plant? Wow, one side of Barbara Streisand. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then it went to Ellen Green and she did – I think she's probably the best actor in this movie by far, I'd say. She yeah. like really elevates that character. Well, she's so in the character yeah. and the character – like what, what I think what's really great about this movie and part of what she brings to it is that it has the exaggeration of yeah. musical theater – and it's something that doesn't really exist in the same way now. Like yeah. the sort of cartooniness, the sort of the the campiness, the the parody. Yeah. Oh, we love our, our musicals to be really like cinema verite now. Like you know Absolutely. Sung live on set. But she's playing this character that is like somehow a very heartwarming airhead. Yeah. Yeah, she has she, such a distinct voice. I know, and she's like a little squeak toy for like a dog or something. Like she has that uh, like all the time, and then she does that shua thing. And I like there's she that character has fra- like that character says lines that any other actor would just say, but she makes some catchphrases, and I think that's just wonderful. And I, yeah. I think she really owns the role, and and like I said, like heightens it and makes it. I mean, I think the plant it could have been the thing that this movie was about, but I think she steals the show. Yeah, in a I would large say way. so. Yeah, yeah. I also really like it when movie adaptations get to keep their Broadway or off Broadway actors. Yeah, you know, give them a fucking job. <laughs> Plus, they did all the work. There's some guy who did all the work for Rick Moranis. We don't know his name. No, I know. He's a nobody to us. I know. And uh, Colin Wilkinson, you know, he's <laughs> like, Hugh Jackman, who the fuck is that? Uh, I'm Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can play Wolverine in the in the musical adaptation, off, off, on Broadway. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the X-Men musical. Yeah, exactly. X-Men jukebox musical that uses songs by the band X. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah. That's good. And Men at Work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the um, – SFX, the, the effects in this movie, were total all puppetry. It was very little, except in the like reshoots, they did like drawing over the cells. Okay. But um, it was all puppetry. The mouth couldn't be moved on the plant, couldn't be moved fast enough mm-hmm. to be legitimately talking. It was just too big. It took over 100 people to like, operate it. So what happened was Frank Oz had the mouth move in slow motion. Okay. Say all the words in slow motion as it did and then sped it up later. Ooh. So it fil- filmed it in 12 frames per second and then sped it up to 24 frames per second and had to have Rick Moranis do all his acting and speaking in slow motion. In slow motion. So That's that, awesome. That Old must school. have been really difficult. Like I don't think so. That sounds – that sounds like classic making movies, like when it was know, fun. But, yeah, yeah. But like – It's like I, I don't know how to do this trick, but I got some mirrors and a smoke machine. 
<laughs> yeah, but that's what I loved about it. And, I, and it must have been so difficult because you couldn't just CG it away. Yeah. Like, I love that they had to do something practical to make it work. I wish that they would do more, like, puppet-based things like this. But at the same time, I would feel sad about putting Andy Serkis out of work. Right. And have you seen the new Dark Crystal? No, not yet. I hear it's amazing. It's it's amazing. It's just puppets are fucking weird, man. Puppets like, are fucking weird. It's like unless they're fuzzy, they have to be in a horror film. Like they're just they they look scary. Yeah. Well, I I mean Muppets don't look scary. Yeah, that's because they're kind of fuzzy. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. guess that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I I can't believe they figured that out and just did it practically and I I love the way the plant looks and moves. It feels yeah. so real. Well, I don't know if it feels real. To me, it feels stagey, but that's what works. I mean, this whole movie, it feels like an adaptation of a stage musical. Definitely. And I think that it just leans into it and embraces it and that's sort of what makes it a thing mm-hmm. like yeah the plant looks like a puppet but the set looks like a set and the actors look like they're acting and the characters look like they're characters and the songs sound like they're songs yeah and the camera isn't doing any crazy like camera work you know it's uh-huh. it's filming the scenes it just like it is like we're kind of watching on a stage and that's what Frank Oz wanted to get across because he could have done it in real flower shops and on real streets but he wanted to have that stagey feel to it yeah and keep the the kind of the roots of it as Ooh. you would. Uh, so, Rob, did you? What was your favorite? Did you have a favorite song watching for the first time? Did it? Did you like it? I don't know if I have a favorite song. I do like it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I wish I had seen it a long time ago so mm-hmm. that I could be like baked in it. Right. Formed by it. Yeah, that's okay. right. You know, like I wish I knew all the songs that I could sing along. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a lot of fun. I like the quirkiness of it. I like that it's like a little musical. Like it doesn't have yeah. big world implications. It doesn't really, you know, mean anything or say anything. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it has like some great characters, and it is it is showing the world and commenting on the world in little places in little ways yeah but but it kind of stays in its lane it doesn't strangle itself to yeah. make a message about the environment or something right. even though we do need to save the environment so maybe you know yeah but yeah, yeah I, and i loved all the songs i love the 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 plant mm-hmm. i love uh it's just his voice. Yeah, it's such so, a great voice actor. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was a. It was a song. He was one of the four tops, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For That's sure. amazing. I know. I think I'm with you that the alternate ending doesn't really work. Right. Even though I sort of like it, I think that it's sort of fun to see everybody die, and that's sort of what makes it more of like a horror Definitely. musical. And I, I also, I, I really genuinely love that you did not expect it to be different, and then it just was. I think that's amazing. Like, they should just, I mean, it's sort of like Clue. Right. You know, if you you know, saw it in the theater and got one of the different endings on a home video. Yeah, I mean, this is it's it's one of the one of the best rewatching experiences I've had, just because it it was so surprising and it was something new mm-hmm. in something old. And I, 
yeah, I was shocked and surprised and hated it, but I mean, hated the ending, but I loved the experience of it. It was really cool to have that. Yeah, I wish that they had included both endings or found a way to do one and then the other because I think I think it's weird to take away the theatrical ending and not make it like available or part of the uh part of the thing. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, I only remember it on VHS. So anyway, yeah. yeah. I uh Man, I I still love this movie. I think it's such a good movie and is a great example of take, of adapting a a musical to the stage and getting the hamminess of the musical and the schmarminess of it and putting it into the film. Mm-hmm. I like we don't all need to like have the realness of like a Les Mis musical on screen mm-hmm. where everything is We don't need the realness of Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> no one can handle the realness of Russell Crowe. But I like the unrealness of Rick Moranis and Ellen Green. So um, I, I want to see her in more things. Honestly, I, I miss her. And I thought all everything was just done really well. The cameos were so fun and lively. And the movie had this kind of bubbly pace to it that, uh, that just, yeah, is, is weird for an 80s movie, I'd say, that, like, takes its time sometimes and isn't, like, as fast-paced as, like, a late 90s or early 2000s movie that's trying to get all the cuts in. But uh, this this had a real big pace, which I think was, was unique to the era. Anyway, so I think it's entirely rewatchable. What about you, Rob? Will you rewatch this at some point? I think that I will. Yeah. Or I would also love to see it performed live. I know that it's performed all over the place. And in fact, I think this season it's being done at the Stratford Festival. Oh, wow. So this is on par with the works of Shakespeare. <laughs> well, I, I'm definitely going to go see it then. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely think it's rewatchable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's just a, it's a lot of fun. And also I forgot to mention we talked about these this kind of in a little bit when we talked about Aladdin because the two guys who wrote the musical also were the originators of Aladdin. Right. Yes. That made me feel really good. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I like to see, you know, the progress of these artists. Right. And you can totally see how, like, this is just, like, one step away from the sort of, like, polished nature of something like Aladdin. Yeah. Well, and, like, that Street Rat song – is exactly like the Skid Row song in a way. Yeah. Um, And similar characters and stuff. So, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can definitely see the evolution of uh, even core ideas. For sure. That's pretty cool. Did you happen to read anything about the upcoming remake? No. What? Blaine, I don't mean to scare you, but they are planning to remake Little Shop of Horrors. All right. Yeah. As long as they don't touch the Princess Bride, then yeah. I'll be fine. <laughs> well, I got news for you, Blaine. They're remaking. <laughs> no, apparently they're going to do it. It's being done by Warner Brothers, and Billy Porter is going to play somebody in that movie, apparently. He might be the the uh, Audrey too. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah, well, as much as remakes are difficult for everyone that loves the original it doesn't take away anything from the original so well it takes a little bit <laughs> so <laughs> remake it sure fine whatever if it's good it'll be great <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for listening this week on rewatchability uh thanks for um going to patreon.com slash 
rewatchability and donating there and keeping our plants fed and watered and lit. And you can do that yourself if you haven't or if you don't have any, you know, you're living on Skid Row, you don't have any change, you can just tell a friend about it. We really uh, rely on word of mouth because uh, mm-hmm. we, we don't have the money for the ads. No. So uh, please tell your friends about it and uh, if you like it. and uh, Send it through the grapevine. Oh, I like it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.